Welcome to the Lakeland Sports Guys. Glad to have you along with us coming to you from Howard's on Main on this 7th of December, D-Day being remembered today of all things uh, that got the United States involved in World War II today. Also, um, it's kind of a sad remembrance. Um, Gamecock Jesus passed away yesterday as well, so a lot of remembrance of him and, and what a true Gamecock fan he was. Chris Cox with us. We got the coach, Dan Spivey. Bill Hensley also in uh, with us today on the Lakeland Sports Guys. Glad to have you guys tuned in. And uh, there's a lot going on in the portal, a lot going on everywhere today, Chris. I got a laptop. He's got his phone. I got notebooks. Yeah. Sorry I got you laughing there. That was on me. The first time I meant to do it, the second time I didn't. So anyway, we got hit. It's all good. It's just one it's of those twice things. twice-baked Thursdays, man. Get <laughs> right. your ribeyes taken a twice-baked, and it's all good. Yeah, from here at Howard's on Main and Uptown Greenwood, we got live entertainment uh, tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday as well. So. You were talking about Mr. Thompson, who was Gamecock Jesus. Y'all lost a, a legend, too. Like, well, because we heard about it in Aiken yesterday we were there, but um, Kingsmore. Mm-hmm. Passed away yesterday. That's the stadium at Clemson. They named Doug Kingsmore. So, you know, Clemson lost a great one, and we did too. So, I didn't realize that Kingsmore was a politician that he was. So, very involved up there in that area for a long time. Well, we got a lot to talk about to dive into. We got the Army Navy game. We'll dive into that a little bit, uh, mainly because we got the number one Navy fan here <laughs> with us. Uh, we'll talk about what's going on in Montana because if you are a Den fan, this is going to be the game, uh, and, and it's going to be cold. It's going to be fun. We'll dive into that a little bit. Um, let's start uh, first and foremost, uh, and we'll get into the Clemson Gamecock basketball as well because that was the big highlight as, as of last night. But let's talk about uh, locally. Uh, we've got three teams that are involved in the top ten as of right now. If you kind of run down the top ten, boys 5A, you have Lexington, Somerville, Burns, Dorman, Goose Creek, uh, Cane Bay, T.L. Hannah. Blythewood, Clover, and St. James. Um, girls, Malden, Sumter. My Gamecock's in there, number two. like those girls. we got uh, Rock Hill, Dutch Fork, Somerville, Clover, Ashley Ridge, J.L. Mann, Burns, and Carolina Forest. And boys, uh, you know, Westside might have a chance here. Uh, I didn't realize they were this good, but um, Ridgeview's number one, followed by Greer, Catamba Ridge, Lancaster. Then you got Wilson. Westside comes in at six. Riverside at number seven. North Augusta, after winning uh, the championship last year, they come in at number eight as this week. You got Westwood, followed by James Island. And then the girls, the Greenwood girls, are in the top ten in 4A. North Augusta's one, followed by AC Flora, South Point, Pickens, Bluffton, James Island, Westside at seven, Greenwood at eight. They're undefeated, too. We're going to get into their game uh, this week. You also had Wade Hampton at nine and Westwood at number three. In boys 3A, it's uh, Powdersville, Crestwood, Wren, Orangeburg, Wilkinson, Daniel, Clinton at six. Loris is seventh, followed by Darlington and Fountain Inn. And then Manning rounds out the top ten. And girls 3A, Camden, Orangeburg, Wilkinson, Blue Ridge, Wren, Wahala, Loris, West Oak, Mountain Inn, Clinton, Girls come in at number nine, followed by Gilbert at number 10. And then the boys 2A, we got another local team that uh, is uh, in the top 10. You got Gray Collegiate at number one, Oceanside Collegiate at number two, followed by Hampton County, Strom Thurmond, who got beat by Emerald uh, this week. We'll dive into that also. You got Mullins, uh, Bishop England at six, Marion seventh, followed by Andrew Jackson, Landon, and uh, uh, Woodland Keenan. And then in the girls 2A, Gray Collegiate, Silver Bluff, Blacksburg, Bishop England, Andrew Jackson, Keenan, Chesterfield, Westfield Central, Lee Central, and the girls from Saluda coming in at number 10 there. And then in the 1A, boys, you got Christchurch, Whale Branch, uh, Denmark Olar, followed by Southside Christian, 
Carver's Bay. Dixie Boys come in at number six in the polls uh, this week, followed by St. Joe's, Bethune Boomin, North, and then Bridges Prep, who I've never heard of before. Wow. There's a couple of them that I didn't know. Yep. And then Girls 1A, Military Magnet, Lakeview, Denmark Olar, Carver's Bay, High Point, uh, HKT, St. Joe's, Allen Fairfax, MacBee, and Christchurch. So there you have the top ten. Um, girls for Greenwood at number eight. Girls for Saluda at number ten. And the boys at number six are your top ten teams. And there's one that's being left out because we talked about it last week and just how good they have been. And they came in. Not only did they dominate over at 96, not only did they dominate this week at, uh, at Emerald, but McCormick Chiefs are the real deal. If you look for them, Willie, where's it at? Mactown Chiefs on Facebook. That's why you can't find them, McCormick. <laughs> Mactown Chiefs. But, yeah, they are right. playing solid basketball. Uh, like I said, I, I showed Scruggs last night to remind him he forgot about me, and he said, yeah, I did forget. I'm sorry. I said, it's all good. I'm sure you call somebody more important. But, um, this team's rolling, and, I mean, I – I guess maybe one of the things, I mean, they, they're just – they're 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 playing defense for one. Um, that's from the tournament team that, that Emerald beat like, or last night. That's a pretty good basketball team too. So, what we certainly think they'll probably meet up somewhere down the road. But if you, if you go back, just listening to you read from 1A to 5A, and you just take the, the, the boy side of it first, how many of those teams that you called out in the top ten, their football teams – made the playoffs and made deep and in a lot of cases made deep runs. Every one that of them. Tells you, that tells you where the athletes are. On the girl side, it's probably gonna find you probably gonna find this to be true that a lot of the girls teams go back and look at what their volleyball teams did. And you're gonna see a lot of the same people, not everybody, but a lot of the same people, uh, school wise that we're playing volleyball and making runs into the volleyball. Those are going to be the same teams that are going to be in the basketball. Just, I mean, to start the year anyway. Now we don't ever know what might happen, but uh, it's good that we got as many Lakeland teams in here, and we're probably going to have more. That's going to change up. It's still early. I still think Greenwood's got a good chance of cracking that top ten. They've got a good team over there, and a couple of wins here and there, and they're going to be in the top ten, I'll bet you. All right. Do we want to start with Greenwood then? Well, we'll kind of work our way. Work. Yeah, yeah. Work our way down because uh, Greenwood did play a couple of times this week. Um, uh, they ended up, what, beating Aiken? Uh, at the beginning of the week, and then they come in and they take on a very good South Aiken team that is right there on the border. They received a couple of votes to be in the top ten uh, as well. And turned out uh, didn't quite go the, the way that they wanted to as uh, the Eagles, um, you know, end up suffering a big loss in this one, 50-47. Uh, to 47, uh, being there, Excuse me, yeah, 50-47 was the final, I do believe, in that one. So um, not, not quite the way they wanted to, but you've got a, a – Guy that's like a three or four star in, in LaDante Felton for the Thoroughbreds there ended up with 23 points on the night. Um, they, they just kind of ran away with it. They, they struggled early. South Aiken did. Greenwood was up on them, you know, in the first quarter, halfway through the second quarter before they came to a, a, a tie at 45 at halftime. And then, um, you know, after that, they, you know, Greenwood just couldn't get things going after that. Yeah, Pelton's a real deal. He he he's played well in that opening tournament they played in, and I think the beach maybe yeah. he played really yeah. well in that one. 
Jeremiah Brooks led Greenwood uh, in scoring at 11 points on the night. And uh, like I said, all of those, or I should say the most of those were, uh, you know, in the first half, um, in that first quarter for the most part. And then uh, they just kind of shut him down. And Thoroughbred's got things going there once again. But the Eagles uh, in action again tomorrow night as they'll be at home uh, over there at Greenwood High. Midland Valley comes into town. So wow. All that talk about football in Midland Valley. We get that right off of here. Right here close yeah. to home. To go along with it. And the Greenwood girls, uh, good win for them over South Aiken, uh, 49-32 in this one. Um, you know, 7-0 to start the season for Coach Childs in her fourth year, I believe it is, um, to go along with it. So, I, I mean, she is, you know, she's gone through some adversity these first three years, but she has managed to get some really good girls in there um, that are playing exceptionally well. Um, you know, Tyreka Johnson, Probably uh, she outdid Daniel Oliver. I mean, both of them had 17 points on the night, but still she was a defensive master. And that's the lowest scoring output for South Aiken this year so far, the 29 or 39, 32, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. 32. So. Defense, defense is what it's set up on. So, And like I said, Coach Childs, it has been four years' time because, like I said, her interview was with, at the radio station with you. So. Yeah. You have to get her back on to go along with it. So, uh, big wins for them. Uh, like I say, they get South, uh, uh, not South Aiken, but they get Midland Valley coming up this Friday night as well. So, we'll follow along with that, keep it close here. And we'll give you all the details on Monday after that game's over. Um, you mentioned the Vikings uh, and uh, Coach Gruggs and what's going on with there. <laughs> go ahead and say, you know what? Eh, we're just going to take out the number four team in 2A in Strom Thurmond, and it will no big deal whatsoever. 45-35 being the final in this one. Key Holloway was dynamic. 18 points, uh, defensive master as well. Uh, Don Travis uh, Jackson was the nearest, next highest scoring Viking with nine points to go along with that. And um, you know, it's when you <laughs> when you look at this game. Do I have? I I didn't get to it. I got the McCormick's. Uh, stats here, but uh, Strom Thurmond-wise, I, I was surprised that they came out as slow as they did. I mean, from everything I read and seen, um, you know, they struggled in the first 12 minutes. You see, first off, yesterday was Cam's birthday, so I did text him happy birthday to Cam Ruiz, and then I sent him a thing. I didn't do this. <laughs> That's what I put back. It's your birthday. I didn't put that curse on you. But, <laughs> so he just kind of sent me the smiley face. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this team had really started out pretty solid because – I mean, Strom Thurmond has had teams down, with, especially basketball. They've been pretty good between the peach fields. And, and like I said, I think after what had happened to Emerald before, that I think maybe they going into it, they over maybe looked overlooked Emerald because they had just lost to McCormick. But you can't do that, man. I'm telling you because Emerald's that defense is going to pick up. And, you know, they had the coach this year, Coach Baylor, to Emerald's staff, and that's going to make the defense even better. And like I said, this is a team we're going to watch each week grow, Emerald. Um, to where we hope they're going to be a playoff team in the end of it. But, like I said, that was a big win against a really good basketball team. And the reason behind it, I, you know, I didn't well, – I, I don't always get the Strom Thurmond. And stuff. the thing is, is, is Holloway was the leading scorer in that game. And Strom Thurmond came out and they said that, that uh, Caleb Benson was the person that they were going to stop, and they did. He Holloway had to step up and be the next guy up. But Benson's averaging 22 points a game for the most part uh, as of right now. I think um, – where is he rebounding wise? Well, he's uh, da, 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 da. well, he's averaging about four a game rebounding wise. So I mean, he he's been a big factor on their offense and defensive boards. Uh, he's a senior this year, um, and and then you look down too as far as some of the other big game names that you're expecting from uh, in Logan, who's a freshman, they moves up in there, and then you got Hopkins as a junior, and. Uh, 
You know, what uh, Demarquis means to this team is huge defensively. So for them to come out, and I'm sure Emerald had a lot to do with the way that that Strom Thurmond ended up starting. Well, I'm sure, like I said, that defense is tenacious. And like I said, that was one of the things that I think they tried to run a lot of traps against McCormick. And somehow McCormick just ran like a weave and beat the traps down. But how many times have we discussed Key Holloway on this show? Football-wise, a lot. Uh, basketball, it's starting to crank back up again. So, when you talk about Key Holloway, your quarterback on the team, and he, he's a leader. And, and basically, he knows his role. And, I mean, that's just a benefit to Coach Scruggs and the rest of those guys on that team that he can step in and be ready to play basketball, too. He's got his cardio down. I mean, there's no doubt in that. Yep. There's well, this was a game <clears throat> where Strom Thurmond shut down your best play in Burton. Okay, Key Holloway knew – and this is where the leadership comes in. Okay, he sees, okay, they're no telling what they were doing. You know, they could have been double, triple teaming Burton. Who knows? But Key Holloway recognized, or the coaching staff recognized that Burton, they were trying to stop Burton. We got five people on the court, guys. Uh, let's find the guy that's open. And Key Holloway must have been the guy that, Kept moving and got his work itself open, and then he pushed the points up. And this, you know, Strom Thurmond made a mistake, and never made the adjustment. But uh, you know, Emerald, it's it was a, as good a game as that was against Strom Thurmond earlier this week on Monday. They struggled against the Chiefs at McCormick. When you look at that, it was a 71-48 in favor of the Chiefs in this one. But they held the Vikings to 21% field goal shooting, 11% from three-point range, and only 54% from the free-throw line. I mean, they had they had the Vikings rattle. Yep. So I'm telling you, this is a defensive-oriented team. And this is going to be a team. We will be talking about Mactown Chiefs, if that's what they want to call themselves. We'll be talking about them <laughs> all year long, so... Yep. Uh, when you look at rebounds, uh, Emerald won the rebounding, forty-nine to forty-five. Um, Chiefs won the assists, ten to four. Steals, sixteen to thirteen. Um, Chiefs had four blocks to Emerald's three to go along with that. The Chiefs, by the way, shot forty-three percent from the field uh, and sixty percent from the line, free throw line to go along with it as well. So, um, you know, it, it's and it's facts break points too. They won the the points on 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 turnovers yeah. as well. So, and we talked about. That's another thing. If you if you look at the record, McCormick's held serve so far this year. If they get a home game, they hold serve. Yeah. And that's why I don't understand why they're not ranked right now. Is is nobody following along and seeing the teams that they're playing and beating? Um, has got me surprised. Now they got a good matchup with Daniel coming or not Daniel with uh, Dixie coming up. Uh, I believe tomorrow night. Is that right? Ooh. I think so. And that <clears throat> and that's coming. You know, this may be the game that puts McCormick into the top ten if they can beat Dixie. And it may take Dixie out of the top ten. You may see that too this year, to where it's just a whole bunch of <clears throat> yeah. like bottling well, in and out. And we're and we're still early in the season. Um, you know, go back and watch the game film of the McCormick Emerald game, and you're probably going to see that Emerald missed a lot of easy buckets. That more times than not, those guys are going to hit, and. Um, Sometimes, you know, this early in the season, you get down to a team like that, it's just hard to get motivated. You're putting up shots. You might be forcing a few little things uh, that hurt you in the long run. But uh, I feel sure John Mark will get that team right before. Yeah. 
Here, here's the kicker. You got to score. You know, McCormick's averaging fifty nine or fifty eight points. You, you've got to score that or more yeah. in order to beat these cats. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. I mean, I'm telling you, this is a defense led team, <laughs> and it's just a lot easier. I mean, you look at these; it's a lot easier said than done, Tom. You might get offense. your threes. I might get mine. So, <laughs> well, well, McCormick's turning defense into offense, yeah. and it, it's, it'll be a lot of easy layups and and little, you know, short jumpers where. You know, and that's when you get out in transition and Emerald's got to do <clears throat> a better job with the transition defense and evidently they did against Strom Thurmond. They put something in to slow Strom Thurmond down now, whether they changed personnel, did they change philosophy and went to a lot more trapping, uh, you know, or just – did we put pressure on the Strom Thurmond point guard to, to make him work? And he wasn't used to it. Yeah. We'll, well see. It's going to be, you know, the big three against big three. For McCormick, you got uh, the leading scorer in Darius Houston against the lead, uh, along with the leading uh, rebounder in Terrence Cartledge. And then you got Darius Houston, who is uh, leading the team in steals as of right now for McCormick against Dixie's uh, Jared Burns, who leads points per game. Uh, Willington Anderson, who does the rebounds, and Jaron Burns, um, uh, other uh, – he leads also in assists and steals. Um, trying to think of, of who else they've played that's common. Uh, McCormick has played Southside, ended up winning that one 60 to – I think it was 60 to 49, if I Ooh. remember correctly. And uh, Dixie won against Southside Christian. It was 46 to mm, – what was it? Forty-six to something, <laughs> if I can remember correctly. Anyway, they won. That's all I got to say. Is there a Ferguson on that team this year? I'm sure there is. <laughs> I didn't yeah, hear him. And and he, he wasn't leading score or anything in, yeah, in he, stats or anything. So I just wonder but if he played. But at six-five, I feel sure, unless he's getting ready for baseball. But Dixie has the Byers kid that uh, his older brother. Some of you may remember. It's been a few years ago now. He transferred from Dixie to Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got in a little bit of trouble. Didn't get to play. Um, I think he transferred in mainly for football as a quarterback. But uh, good little basketball player. Father is a former minor league baseball player. So there's some good athletic genes in the family. So um, I hope that the Byers kid can stay, will stay at Dixie and not Jump into the portal, so to speak. It's just so easy to jump in. I'm thinking about jumping in myself right now. <laughs> 46-45 is what uh, Dixie ended up beating Southside Christian. So it was a one-point game in that one. You know, and you were talking about athletes. That's not a team. They didn't, lo- they didn't lose their athletes, Southside Christian. I think Dixie just manned up and said, hey, we've had a little bit more time to, pl- to play practice than y'all have. And that's a big win for them because yeah. I would imagine that you're still going to look at the, the big three, even though it's basketball. Well, I mean, and, and, that, and that's just the first game they'll have. Yeah. They'll play each other twice, so they'll see them again. Uh, this first game may have been at Dixie. The next game may, have, may be at Southside Christian. And we were talking about it this morning, the guys. We were talking about the Clemson-Carolina game, and – how home field or home court advantage in basketball that home court means more than say in football because the I mean anybody that saw saw the Clemson student body was vocal they were down there close to the court and that was a good environment for Clemson they wouldn't allow 
the Clemson team to feel defeated and get down. They kept pumping them up, pumping them up, pumping them up. And so, I, you know, and you get to think about it, and, yeah, that uh, at every level, the high school and college level, I think home court means a lot. And if you get a win on the road, you've done something. If you get a win on the road against anybody, you've, you've done something. By the way, Thomas Ferguson is on the team. He wears number 44. He and Ace Morris are the two big guys. Uh, okay. Morris wears 32, um, 6'4", uh, junior, both of them juniors as well. So, so rebound kings. Yeah. Yeah. Put both those guys in at the same time. <laughs> and this is where it's going to be fun. When uh, Dixie or McCormick runs into uh, Ware Shoals as of right now, and we haven't talked a lot about no, Ware Shoals no. at all. And um, all they do is, is, is continue to – to perform very, very well. Um, when you look at, at their overall record as of right now, if I can quit clicking pages so that my computer stops here, uh, I'll let you know. But uh, uh, Farron is uh, one of their big guns. Medlin is the big gun um, when you look at Jalen Medlin and what he's been able to do. But they're 2-2 two and two, uh, on the season here so far. Um, you look at their losses. One was to Brashire uh, uh, Middle College, which is basically a, a – a big 4A type 5A school. They lost 82 to 31 in that one. And then, of course, uh, well, both of their losses were to that school, 80 to 60 the first time they met back in November. But since then, they've gone on and they beat Chester, 78-69. They beat 96-65-56. And then they play Thornwell tomorrow night uh, before they play Dixie next Tuesday. And Thorn, like I said, they've been playing basketball. This is the first year back playing football. But to beat Chester, that says a little something right there. Yeah, he's playing a big 3A school. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a good uh, – you know, that you were talking about Medlin. That's your quarterback off the team. And then uh, is Lomax playing? Do we know if Lomax is playing basketball? Or Durst um, can say no, no. <laughs> Coach Boyd said no, no. <laughs> and, uh, I need you for football. I, I need him to stay where he's at. Um, so uh, I got, I got, Yeah, I got J.C. Medlin in there. His brother Braden is in there. Um, I do not see – I got to say a ward law. Playing okay. over there, but I do not see the speedster. Ooh. Uh, Shap got him. He got him. He said, look, nope, you're out. Here's a fun name for uh, Ware Shoals, uh, oh, Shad man. High Bolton. So, I'd like to see how he, he ends up. But uh, by far, J.C. Medlin, though, is uh, is the king. He's averaging, what did I say, close to almost 25, 26 points a game. I got to see the McCormick where so that's what I want to see because that's what McCormick does. They shut down the star player and say, you get the rest of them. <laughs> we got this man, though. You're going to have to you gotta help him out because he's going to score maybe 10. Yeah, so uh, high school basketball in and around here, and we haven't even gotten into Abbeville as of no. yet. Um, Abbeville gets busy uh, pretty much next week. They'll have a lot more games that are going to be involved. I think they play tomorrow night as well. Um, but we'll dive a little more into them uh, next week. Yeah, I'll try to figure out 96, too. I've looked at their schedule, and, I mean, they, they usually start out really strong, and this year, for some reason, they have really started out kind of taking a couple of shots to the jaw, and, I mean, they hadn't fell or hadn't, it hadn't KO'd yet, but I'm t- something's going on over there that I just can't figure out. <laughs> Well, we've got time to figure it all out as it comes around. We're at Howard's on Main in Uptown Greenwood. B-Rand has made his way into the house, getting everything ready with the uh, coldest beer in the Lakelands to go along with that. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Howard had to come out and distribute a few beverages himself <laughs> earlier this afternoon. So, uh, well, he actually saw me in the beer cooler, so I imagine that's what he really came up for. 
<laughs> but uh, come on by, see the good folks here. Happy Hour gets underway at 4 o'clock. A live entertainment coming up uh, as well tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. Uh, all kinds of great things happening. Of course, uh, it's going to be cold and wet uh, over the weekend. You might as well come in Saturday. Who you got this weekend, B-Rad? Tonight? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Ryan Pitts just performed in Greenville, if you didn't see it. He, they took the, the uh, Howard crowd, went to Greenville for his performance. So I think that was last night or the night before last. Yeah. So. Good deal. So best place to get live entertainment right here at Howard's on. And if you, if you can't get here and you don't know who's playing, just B-Rad does a good job. I'm not going to give his name out, but if you can find him, I'm telling you, man, he does his reels. And he, he gets it right on stage. He looks at He's got everybody at the bar. And he's a, you must be a photographer, man. <laughs> I thought you were still doing it. Man. I was trying to get, I was going to prep you up for weddings. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into the round ball on the college side. Uh, we'll start first and foremost. Cliff Ellis, everybody knows who he is, right? Um, yep. Probably the winningest active coach in NCAA Division One basketball as up until yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> he went ahead and decided, you know what? Um, I just won over St. Andrews, my 831st win in NCAA Division One, and uh, my birthday was yesterday, and I'm going to go ahead and elect to retire. And so uh, with that, uh, he's not going anywhere. Um, he's going to stay at Coastal Carolina. He's going to be more involved with the NIL and the portal okay. aspect of it uh, over there and helping kind of decipher through that and um, hopefully come up with some other ideas, uh, I would hope, for the uh, NIL and the portal issues. But his assistant uh, head coach, Barry Moss, or Benny Moss, is going to be taking over for him, and uh, that will all get started uh, effective today. As a matter of fact, so, you know, he ran his last game of practice this week. And, uh, you know, now Coach Moss will continue with the final months here uh, on his contract supporting the university with special projects as well. You notice when they took the pictures, his wife's right there holding his hand like, don't you back out? (laughs) And and you're staying at at the coast, man. So, And for for his assistant, man, this is the one you don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder. No. You don't have to worry about him because he's the one that probably helped you get that job, promoted to that job. But just, just stick around with the NIL stuff and knowing what he knows about the game anyway, that could be huge for Coastal. It could. So what do they call it? The collective what? Till? What is it, Stan? Yeah, I, till well, something? Well, I know there's got – they have the Till Nation, but now I don't know if that's the collective. I saw it I'm like you, there's another name that they're using. It's but, not collective, uh, but it's Till something. Something, yeah. But it uh, should be fun. Uh, five decades his span of coaching uh, went over, and he coached at uh, Cumberland, South Alabama. Then he went to Clemson at Auburn, and then finally back at Coastal Carolina. So he's Where would you rank him at Clemson, though, as far as, like, with the guys you've had, the guy that went to Texas? Where would he rank for you all? Because I know well, B-Raz, right? he knows the basketball better than I do at Clemson. But, I mean, you had um, the guy at Texas. I can't think of his name. I keep forgetting. And Barnes. then you had, yeah, Barnes, Rick Barnes, and then you had Ellis, and then who else? Who else is up there that you could rank that high? That what was like? Now at one time, you had Oliver Purnell, Op. Oliver that's Purnell. it, Op. Yeah. So those are three big name basketball guys that were there. I mean, and then you had the one that Carolina had the same name as the Clemson basketball coach. They had the same name. Yeah, Bill Foster. So, <laughs> Willie's on it, but um. Yeah, I, I just wonder where y'all would rank him at. I, I mean, I I would say pretty He's, high. You got to be in the top five, right? Number yeah, one. Willie says one. Well, you know the, the thing about it, though, he's been at Coastal now what seventeen years. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it, it, it's going to be hard to to flip that game on to Coastal and not 
and you're going to be looking for him on the sidelines, you know, and he's not going to be there. So it's it's a change of the guard, so to speak, but uh, hopefully Cape Coastal can come out of it unscathed, so to speak, and uh, put a good product on the court for the rest of this year, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here, 297 wins at Coastal is what he's got. He couldn't stick around for three more to get to that. Yeah, I'll tell you, that wife has yeah. something to do with this now. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas time. Yeah. That's probably what he said. That's probably what he said. He said, I only need three more wins. And she's like, mm, I'm going with you. Because they'll talk you into another season. Um, but so. he's had some big games. I mean, they beat LSU yeah. uh, in Baton Rouge, of all things. We go back to 2010 for that one. Um, you know, that was the first big Power 5 win for them uh, in 1993. They also went on and, and uh, beat Clemson during the 2011-2012 campaign, as well as LSU during that time frame. Um, and they beat uh, Clemson again in 2012 and topped Auburn on the road in 2014. So he's had some big wins over Power 5 com- you know, teams at Colston. Many Tigers, by the way. Yeah. Auburn and Clemson those last two or three years. But, uh, yeah, big winning percentages when you look at his file and it goes through. He's been to three Sweet 16s, 10 NCAA tournament appearances. Um, he's uh, Gene Bartow Award winner in 2014. Only coach with at least 170 wins at four different Division One programs. Um, he's a member of Alabama, Clemson, Cumberland, and Mobile Sports Hall of Fames. Sun Belt Coach of the Year in 1979. ACC Coach of the Year in 87 and 90. Uh, SEC Coach of the Year in 95 and 99. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on. And why did Clemson get rid of him? You know, <laughs> you know? What, what didn't he do? <laughs> well, you know, we look at Brad Brownell, and we look at what he's done over – he's been there over 10 years now. What what has he done that kept him there, or was it just the timing? Uh, you know, back when Cliff was there, maybe the football team was a whole lot better than. Uh, but you can't really say that because of what Clemson has done as far as football over the last ten years. So I think you're. I think I, you're right when you say that. I don't think it's anything that that he didn't do. I think it's opportunities that might have come along. Um, did he feel like he could build a, his program and get what he needed to win at Coastal over being staying at Clemson? I think it's what me. I tell B. Red year in year out. Brownell's the guy for the job at Clemson. Yeah, I know everybody's trying to run him off for 10 years now, but it's the sheer fact of the matter that you still – there'll be so many people that don't believe you. ACC is still the basketball conference, I'm telling you. They didn't go anywhere. They just kind of had – they're going to have some more teams. But, little, but I think that's what it is. When you got to recruit against Duke, North Carolina, and I'm telling you, that's just difficult to do. It's like recruiting in soccer in right. the SEC. Right. Um, but to me, that's – I think it was more of a fact maybe, maybe the Auburn job. Was more enticing to him or whatever, possibly. He didn't get. Well, he did not get fired from Clemson. No, he left. He, on. Left, he left on his own. He left yeah. on his own. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to say, maybe to look new, for a different new challenge. He wanted new challenges. That's cool. Yep. But overall, with the retirement yesterday, he goes out as the winningest head coach ever in the state of South Carolina, basketball wise. And there's some good basketball coaches that have stayed through, you know, here in the state as well. Don't say they just try, just got that charter plane up to come to Greenwood. Let's, let's, see, let's see if she can match. <laughs> see if she can I'll tell you what y'all better look out for. Amanda Butler's fitting to break out. Oh, right. oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> Amanda Butler. Talk with you tonight. 
<laughs> they will lose. I'm, I'm telling you, they'll lose by 20 tonight. That's that's what I'm predicting. They'll I'm just, lose by 20. I'm having fun Ooh, with you about Amanda Bowler. Maybe that Clemson gets Clemson women. playing Duke. Yeah, tonight. Women. <laughs> um, 30. That might get Patterson up here after that game. That might give you a reason to say, hey, maybe, maybe Cliff takes over for another year to get those those wins done for the women's team. So. Mm. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, let's get to the big game that did end up happening. Uh, 7-0, and South Carolina makes a road trip up to Tigertown to take on the Clemson Tigers, who also were 7-1 and uh, coming into this game. And, guys, this game started out South Carolina on fire. I mean, yep. they came out and said, we're going to smack you in the mouth. And, uh, you know, that's exactly what they did. However, Towards the end of the second half, they just ran out of gas. 72 67. And number four, number 24 Tigers um, end up with the win. And this one, they moved to 8 0 as of right now. But, you know, it, it's a tale of two halves. If PJ Hall didn't play the way he did in keeping Clemson, um, I mean, you know, he scored the what, first nine points? Something, yeah. Or 13 points, nine, I think it was. I, well, nine or, th- yeah, it was one of them. The first 13 points. He for scored time. a lot of that first basket. So, I mean, he was putting the ball in the hole, there's no doubt. And, uh, and Clemson went on that stretch, and this is what they can't have happen moving forward in the season. Number one, well, we've talked about it on the show, keeping Hall out of foul trouble. But you can't go almost eight minutes without putting the, the ball in the hole. And that's what happened and, the, and the end you, of the half. Yeah. If you do that, now, we're not saying South Carolina's the number one team in the nation, but South Carolina came out and played defense against them and held them for eight points without a basket. And they missed some easier shots in that time. But you can't do that if you expect to go into North Carolina and win. You can't do that and go into Duke well, and oh, win. And a lot of it, too, is that yeah, offensively you can't. But Clemson's defense was just as good as Carolina's yeah, was. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, these two teams are eerie similar um, yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Clemson's more about getting in the paint, getting your points there, whereas, uh, you know, it's it's the M&M show for the most part. And, and one of the M's was missing. You had to have a, another guy step up, and he did. Yeah, I mean, I we, mean when you look at um, – um, of course, Missy had 26 points, but yeah. you, you look at Stephen Clark, who I think you said was, was going to be the factor, and he had 10 on the night. Well, I think what happened was when they started – when Clemson started trying to stop B.J., then all of a sudden Clark's standing there wide open, and they're not thinking, this kid is not going to shoot the ball, and all of a sudden he drains a three. Well, that didn't wake him up. He gets a few uh, – and all of a sudden Carolina realizes – they're double-teaming and leaving Clark open. At least get him the ball. Whether he shoots or not, at least get him the ball because he's open. And uh, But Clemson came through, and they kind of changed up a little bit. They changed uh, everything in the everything, second half. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they used P.J. Hall as a decoy. He only yeah. had three points in the second yeah. half. But they put him out on the three-point line, and you had two guys out there with him the whole yeah. time. That left Shefflin open in the middle. He ended up with um, uh, a little better than average of 12 points. Uh, but more importantly, the, the, rebounds the rebounds that he got were yeah. huge. Yeah. And the key is, we talked about it Monday, I think this is a new game plan that, that, that I think Brownell is going to use to keep him out of foul trouble. I think he's going to play him on and off sparingly. Shefflin comes in, does his thing. The one I want to ask you about that I had never heard of until last night, who is Chauncey Wiggins? 
<laughs> He's a sophomore from Grayson, Georgia. Where did this guy come from? Well, him and uh, Shefflin played on the same high school basketball team. So, Ronnell must have went down there to recruit Wiggins. <laughs> I want both of you. And, yeah, and, and said, and Shefflin just walks in there and said, Coach, I want to come too. Well, okay, we'll we'll let you come because we need a rebounder. And he's tough. Mm-hmm. To me, he was the Dennis Rodman of that team. You know, he's not going to be a 30-point scorer, you know. But he's going to do the dirty work. He's going to get down under the basket and come up after rebound, after rebound, after rebound. And neither team really rebounded the well on on their offensive side. It, It seemed like when they missed, the other team always got the ball. (laughs) <laughs> now, what they did with it after that was, like you said, a tale of two halves. Uh, I think yeah. Girardi for Clemson learned that uh, moving forward, he's going to have to play against some man-to-man competition that is going to push him around, and he's going to have to get accustomed to that. And, and, and we, especially when you get into conference play, it's not going to be playing these teams that are going to sit back in the zone and let him chunk up threes all night long. Yeah, well, you know, he's coming from, from Syracuse, Syracuse, so he's used to yeah. Yeah. to being in that zone and folks playing against that, you know, playing against him in that zone. Yeah, and, um, it, it, yeah it's going to take a while for him to get used to, but, I mean, you're right. Chauncey Wiggins, though, if it wasn't for him, he Clemson would not have been. I mean, they, those, three, those two three-pointers that he hit mm-hmm. to take the lead, to tie it and take the lead was the decide, deciding mm-hmm. of the game. Right there. All four of your starters. I mean, all five of your starters. Double figures. Yeah. That's what it's going to take this year. And the one you never, you can never get his name right. I'm thinking at the end. I'm thinking <laughs> toward the middle to the end of the year, he's going to be the guy that you're going to forget about, Gerard. Uh-huh. Gerard, he got a bad rep at, at Syracuse because he and Buddy Bayheim, who is Coach Bayheim's son, they were they were mischievous. They they were like little great collegiate man. They will they will nip you, bite you. I'm serious, man. They will hurt you, and they didn't care. They got their fouls in at guards, and I'm gonna tell you, they were that was a dirty basketball team to me that Bayham had the last couple of years with his son. But like I said, Gerard's gonna be fine. But I, I still think Chase Hunter's gonna probably be the guy that's gonna really over the year gonna say. Yeah, I won't forget his name. <laughs> Don't forget it, Tom Carroll. <laughs> but uh, Misi Johnson ended up leading all scores, mm-hmm. had 26 on the night um, and all that. And, and, and he was hot. Let's just say it. He was hot. He could – he didn't ma- – I don't think I mean, they Parrish were, minded uh, him wherever – as long as he – I mean, the, it must have looked like the size of this table, the hoop did. Um, well, and some of the shot. threes that he took, I mean, on in Clemson's defense – I don't need to go out there and guard him from there because he can't hit it from there. He's not going to put it up from there. I mean, he's shooting dang near. Step across, two, step across the, the mid-court strike mid-court, and yeah. look to put the ball up. <laughs> and when he did, it was bottom of the net. But last year, he did the same thing he did not hit. Yeah. So and now I'm worried. Him. Now yeah. I'm worried because now I think that's what's going to happen. Hey, anytime you tell me a builder called me and says, hey, man, meet you six for ten from three, we're going to win this game. And we didn't. That just goes to show you, I think these two teams, I, I think this year these two teams will make it. I really do. I think these two teams are going to have the depth to be able to go into the tournament and maybe even win a game. I just don't want to play each other. Just get them <laughs> yeah. both there. But. Yeah. The, the thing that worries me with Carolina, though, you took 33-point shots. And, and, and true, Mitchie was hitting 
Every single one of the ones that he that he put up. There's the one that wasn't. Miles Stutt, Stutt whoever Stutt. his name is. He was one for eight. And at that yeah. point in time, that was Michi last year. And at that point in time, that's when Coach Ferris is going to say, come here for a minute, buddy. He did it last year, and he didn't play a whole lot in the second half of the season. Go back and look at the tapes. I set him on the bench, and you want to play in this game, you got to go. But in the end stand, we couldn't hit free throws. Our free no. throw percentage in the fourth, in the well, fourth quarter, and the late in the second half was horrible. And we got to correct that. That's where I love Coach Ferris. He's like, you know, in the past we had to listen to old old Frank. I don't know what's going on. We practice. We practice. It's his fault. Ferris says it's my fault. We lose the game. It's my fault. We correct it or until we. Until we start hitting free throws, these kids are going to be on that free throw line. Well, I think the freshman that they brought in, uh, Bowles, mm-hmm. the hyphenated whatever, yeah. uh, I think we really should have played Gray a little bit more and let him sit a little bit. He played okay, but he kept getting beat. And he kept getting pushed off the spot, so to speak. That's a Tom Carroll name. I don't think Gray – I don't think Gray would have been pushed off the spot as easy as he was. And see, that's what I got right here, Josh Gray, with the with the question mark. Yeah. Where was he at? Yeah. He I played mean, early, then he sat on the bench, and he, he only I, played I, two and a half minutes. It's yeah, just from Belgium that you're talking about. He's not even. He's from Belgium. He's 22 years old. No, for Carolina, though. Yeah, Benjamin Bozeman's Verdonk. He's from Belgium, but another big kid. He's you know, but yeah. you know, Josh Gray's seven foot. Yeah, and he's a he's a well, junior. He's a he seven play foot. It. He's a seven foot big bodied guy. Yeah, but you're but, not gonna push off the spot if he gets to the spot. You're not gonna move him off, and that's what I felt like. Uh, PJ Hall and Shefflin were able to do against this guy. He's not as he wasn't playing as physical. I guess you could say for lack not, of better yeah. words. But you know that stuff that uh, the teams are gonna have to sort out. He and Hyphenate had two minutes apiece. Yeah. <laughs> so we got we got to figure something out with it with the big boys and All right. Carolina Carolina went Carolina went twenty two and sixty one for thirty six percent from the field. Clemson went twenty five and fifty six at forty four percent. Three points, Carolina went ten for thirty for thirty three percent. Clemson went eight for eighteen for forty four percent. And they had a free throw line. Carolina went thirteen nineteen for sixty eight. And Clemson went 14 for 20 for 70. That's not bad. I had them worse at the line than they were. They're better with Parrish at the line than they were. But both teams, what I noticed with both teams, uh, in the one-on-one situations and the uh, just a regular two points, they would hit one and miss one. Hit one and miss one. And it was both things until right there real late in the game, I think it was – Shefflin that came up and started draining both of them. But the first time he went, I think he hit the first one and missed the second one. Uh, but that's yeah. the way it was with Carolina, too. So. He had that key rebound off that free throw that Carolina <laughs> missed. That, <laughs> yeah. was, that was a key one right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. then assist was 13 and 13. Steals, five and five. Blocks, three for Carolina, seven for Clemson. Turnovers, eight for Carolina, ten for Clemson. Fouls, 15 Carolina, 16 for Clemson. That's what you want. That's, so, that's yeah, even pretty, pretty much even. I mean, Well, we said, you know, Monday that this was going to be a good game, that this was going to be a highly competitive game because these teams were so similar in their makeup and really so similar in the offense and defense that they like to play. I mean, And it's just which team can adjust 
yep. to the other team. We, and we looked up their stats, right? Chris and I looked at their stats yesterday. <laughs> it was like point one percent, you know, point yeah. a tenth of a percent on everything, pretty yep. much. That so, separates. That's why I think yeah. both teams will be there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody stay healthy. But, but both have got a brutal schedule when it comes mm-hmm. to the ACC, SEC. We know that going in, but I've seen a little bit of the SEC side of it. I mean, I think – I'm not going to say we can we can compete in it, but we I think we'll be more competitive than we are in other sports. But I think this team right here, another year maybe this could be – both of these teams we could really talk about maybe down the road. All right. Well, here's uh, Coach Brad Brunell, uh, what he had to say, his postgame comments uh, after the win. Obviously ecstatic with the win. I thought it was uh, – I thought both teams played really hard. Um, it wasn't – one of the prettier basketball games at times, but uh, the competitive spirit by the kids on both teams was really high and uh, will to win. Um, I thought both teams guarded and really bothered each other at times. Uh, the game was very physical on both ends. So it was hard to finish some plays around the basket. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm pleased with our guys for finding a way to win more of a defensive type game. We've had some games where we've really shot the ball well and won shooting it. Um, tonight we won because we guarded better. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, Ian's rebounding late was really good, and we had some timely offensive baskets. Played Our execution in the second half was better. Um, you know, I thought we were a little just so amped up. We missed some shots around the rim that we sometimes make. And um, But South Carolina is a very good team. Uh, Lamont does a really good job, and, and – uh, I think they're going to have a great year, too. So you have Brad Burnell, uh, what he had to say uh, concerning this game, giving a lot of credit uh, to South Carolina. and I think he knows just how lucky he was with both these teams being as evenly well, matched. Well, this is what we were talking about earlier. I think home court advantage comes into play, and that's what happened with Clemson. The one thing, I was glad to see Clemson fill up little John. Oh, it was packed. And, <laughs> Standing I mean, room so, only. You know, now, now can you – can you keep filling up Little John? This team's winning. This team deserves to be seen and deserves to have the people in the stands. And not just when you play South Carolina and it's your in-state rivalry. When when some of these other teams come in to play you, you know, when Virginia Tech or, you know, Georgia Tech or some of these lesser ACC teams come in, you got to fill that stadium if you want these guys to keep winning. You got to fill it. By the way, the great Art Youngblood making his presence known here at Howard's on Main came in. Uh, not sure what he got from B Red, but paid him a lot of money. So. <laughs> and he walked right out, so he's he's good to go he's for happy, another good to another go. month. B Red, so. everybody to collect it. <laughs> Let it go on, but um, did he go in to get him a twice bake? I think he did. He went over bike. that way. We're going to have to get Smart on. Smart man. We'll have, to, we'll have to send Willie to go get him and kidnap <laughs> him and bring man. him back in there. All right. Uh, Lamont Paris also talked with the media afterwards. Uh, here's what he had to say uh, after the big uh, game uh, last night. Game ended up like I thought it would, not in terms of who won and lost, but that one team was going to lose, and uh, it was going to be a tough loss no matter who lost or this game. You had two good teams in here playing. Um Thought we did a good job. We 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 controlled a lot of the game. We controlled a lot of the game. I think that was fact. Um, and then we just we we couldn't make some plays. They got real aggressive offensively in the second half, attacking the basket. Very aggressive. 
Um, and we, we relented a couple times and then we fouled a couple times also. Uh, and then it got down to, uh, uh, towards the end to the nitty gritty and we, and we didn't make any plays. Uh, one guy goes one for four from the free throw line. Uh, we miss a little runner in there. We miss another layup in transition. We have a wide open three that we miss. And so at some point at that stage of the game, a couple of those plays need to be made. You got to make a couple of those plays and, and, um, you know, rotations were a little bit different today. We got, you know, uh, Mo was a little banged up and so he didn't play today. And just in looking long term for the future, I just thought we were better off just uh, not playing him today. So, so there you have, uh, Lamont Paris and what he had to say. And, and really both these coaches knew, I think, going in that this was going to be as tight a game as it was. Yeah. Yeah. Saying as a coach, one thing I took away from that interview and you, you've coached, I've coached basketball too, but, the thing that stood out to me about Paris, he remembered the missed layup, the runner going off, the free throw, and the three-point shot that went awry. He also remembers the three, the four of them that missed those shots, too. Mm-hmm. So now what we have now is something you correct right away. Yeah. And that's one thing I like about him instead of – and I, I want – let me just get this real quick. The reason I was not a Frank fan, Martin – He's abusive to kids on his team. I don't care what he – when you get in a kid's face and you're over there and you're berating him like Bobby Knight, and Bobby Knight's a legend. I'm not saying old Frank ever get there, but I just did not like that aspect. After that three-point that the kid missed, when he came to the sideline, Paris just patted him on the back and said, you got the next two. I like that kind of a coach. That was my whole problem with old Frank. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the aggressive nature, I think, is unwarranted this day and age, and it just doesn't fit with the way basketball's played now. Maybe back when Bobby when when Bobby Knight and did it was well, it wasn't respected then either because he took a lot of criticism back then. But I think both teams I've always liked Brownell just because of his tactics about playing things. He doesn't cry about everything, and like I said, I think Paris is going to hopefully do good things in Columbia. I really think so. So I'm looking forward to it. So a couple of big games uh, coming up this weekend. I do believe South Carolina has East Carolina. Carolina, yeah. So and that should be on. a really good game. And then um, where the Tigers said they're heading. You got a is it? You play Boston College? It's up that way. <laughs> they're playing in Toronto. I do know that um, TCU. That's, that's who it. They're playing. they're playing that little classic. Yeah, yep, playing the classic. So they got the Horned Frogs. Oh, I had a. That's Jamie Dixon. Yeah. So. So we'll follow along with that. Should be fun. Well, what about the Lady Gamecocks? Um, they had a couple <laughs> of scares here at the, over the weekend. We didn't get to talk about it on Monday, but North Carolina gave them a little bit of a fright. They had to come back in the second half, and um, it ended up being a 65-58 win. And then at Duke, they pretty much controlled the game, but 77-61, well below their average of, uh, what, 125 points or something. <laughs> I don't but, but, something. But, but then they get back on track last night and score 104. But, you know, with the, with the North Carolina and the Duke games, both of those games were entertaining games. Both of them uh, were away games. Till, till, yeah. uh, and, and then, but once it got to the fourth quarter, it was like, okay, girls, it's time to quit playing around. Let's go play defense and let's stick the ball in the hole. And next thing you know, they're on a 22-9 to nine run and they're winning by 16. And this is against uh, – Teams, uh, you know, well, I don't know if Duke was ranked. I know North Carolina was like 24 or something yeah. like that. So they were a ranked team. And uh, But you look at what the Carolina girls have done. Uh, just, you know, of course now a lot of – some of them, well, you played three ACC teams. Uh, 
with Notre, if you count Notre Dame, and then the Maryland, which was an old ACC foe. Uh, it's just amazing to what, and last night, and I got to give Dawn Staley credit. She knew going into this game that she was going to win this ball game. There was no way this team was going to ever be even competitive with her. She started her second team. And, you know, feel sorry for the little team, but, I mean. Morgan State. Yeah, Morgan State. They're down 15 in the first seven minutes of the game against the second teamers. And, you know, you knew it was just going to be one of those kind of games. It was like 39 to 10 or 12 at the end of the first quarter. And you're saying, okay, this – Hurry up and get halftime so I can flip it over at 8 o'clock to the men's game. <laughs> but, you know, here again, they put 10,000 people in the arena. So, when you can put that many people in there, and all the, all the girls played well. That's half of tobacco road, though. I mean, you got new North Carolina. Yeah. Bring on Wake. Let's go ahead and play them yeah. um, <laughs> and see what happens there. But the, the key for that is you're talking about North Carolina, their world coach. That was the reason Duke went out and hired Claire um, Lawson mm-hmm. from the radio booth or from the TV booth at CBS or ESPN1 because she's a former really good player. And you see in two seasons what she's done for Duke now. She's basically flipped that switch back to where it was. So, uh, I, I'm telling you, the, we're going to stand all these teams we're playing ACC. We may see them again. One of our, It may not be the same yeah. group of them, but right. – You could see them again in the tournament. It, yeah. That may be what we have to go through in the tournament. So, but I, then, think, I think the experience that we're getting now is, is pretty solid. So. And I, I'll be willing to bet you that uh, Don Staley and, the, and a lot of the girls will be sitting there tonight at what time? 7 o'clock watching <laughs> to see what Clemson can do against you. <laughs> see uh, where they really uh, stand. See, <laughs> you know. Why I mean, even watch? <laughs> well, <laughs> you look know, at the final score. <laughs> You got to watch it. You know, I want to watch it. Uh, I know Amanda, she's got the one girl that's the McDonald's All-American that seems to be the only player they have that, I mean, I know they've got other quality players. Don't get me wrong, but this girl, she stands out when she's on the court. You know when she walks on the court, she's the best player that they've got. And, you know. Willie, I got something for you. Keep her there. I got something for Willie real quick. Willie, you told me the lady said at PC we can get tickets. Next Saturday is Carolina Girls at PC. There you go. There we go. You don't want to go? Oh, is it up there? It's, it's at Carolina. Oh, Carolina. oh, it is at Carolina. That's right. I looked at it wrong. The one you want to go to is Sunday night. I was getting excited. In Utah. Yeah, there. Utah. You get some good snow skiing over at Park City snow, uh, Resort. Um, then go to the Carolina game in downtown St. Louis. Uh, I like it. Salt Lake. It'd be I was excited. I thought we were going over to Bailey Reunion <laughs> Reunion Center over there for that game. I thought that game was there. Clyde's been wanting to go, though. Take him, take him stand. Yeah. He wants to go to a game. Yep. Got to get him fun. down there. Of course, <laughs> my wife wants to go to a game, too, so I, I, I got to make a choice here. <laughs> take them both. <laughs> yeah, he can believe tickets were cheap. Yeah. <laughs> he said we were telling him a fib. Yeah. That's what Clyde said, but. Um, all right. Uh, as long as we're talking basketball, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the big game because we had a big rivalry here uh, with Lander hosting uh, Erskine, um, both boys and the girls wide. And um, Lander, again, just dominant uh, up front. Um, really, you look at this game and it wasn't near as close as, as the, sco- the score indicates. Uh, uh, starting 
first and foremost with the guys. Their sixth consecutive win um, in this one, and uh, you know, seventy-two to sixty being the final in this one. Um, you know, again, you know, Landers, what Coach Omar has got going is, is just tremendous. Tommy Moore had 10 points. Um, Torian Andrews, again, leading with 15 points on the night. Uh, you look at uh, the guest day, um, had 14 points on the night, nine rebounds. He had probably a bigger game earlier or later this, you know, earlier this week uh, against Clefton State. Um, I think he put up something like 22 in that one as well, had another double-double. And missed a beat. But I will, let me give – let's give Erskine credit, though. Last year – Winless. They they make a change at coach, and you know Coach Fuller's turned it around pretty well, and and I think this down the road they're going to be competitive in their conference. I really think they'll do pretty well in their conference. But. Yeah, they're one and five as of right now in this game. The leading scorer uh, for Erskine was Christian uh, Monroe, had twenty one on the night. The leading rebounder, uh, Jalen Perlo, had eight to go along with all of that. Uh, they just couldn't match the speed of Lander though. Lander. Very quick uh, and likes to run and push the ball. Well, like I tell you, when you interviewed um, Omar when we were at the radio station, what, three years ago, you and I both were ready to get the balls back out of the, out of the trunks of the car to start playing again because this guy plays that kind of an offense, man. It, it's just full court, you know, hands to the wall, man, go get it. And that's what they do. And, I mean, that's, that was a good game plan. But I love what he said in his interview. He says, we didn't really execute what we wanted to. We executed what Erskine allowed us to do. So, I'll tell you right there. They may be one in five, but this is going to be a pretty decent team down the road. They've already got that one win they couldn't get last year, so they're over the hump already. <laughs> Just well, have fun well, now, guys. Do, do we start looking at Erskine now, though, and saying, okay, they're not really a football school. They're not really a <laughs> basketball school. But wait till springtime when that baseball team hits the field, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to. You, Softball be, as well. We're, so. we're going we're gonna to be mopping this place up with y'all. You can have your fun right now, but uh, don't get on there running that yapper too much because we're coming. <laughs> They're competitive. That's where I was going. Yeah. With. They're yeah. competitive. Yeah. So. I also want to make mention uh, the wrestling program over at Lander again, uh, top the second uh, poll that did end up coming out. So they're sitting at, at number one that is there. And a lot of that has to do with James Joplin, also Zeth Broman, uh, David Husberger, and uh, Juan Esmond Holmes as well um, in that 285 class uh, to go along with it. Those guys have just been phenomenal. And you, can't, you can't say enough about, about what they've been able to do. Mm-hmm. Bearcats uh, unanimous number one team in the country uh, in that spot in 2A. Here for Region 2. I think we weren't talking about a lot this year. I mean, I just – they have capped it where they want it to right now at Lander. I mean, they're doing wonderful things. There. And but, that will help us in the Lakelands with our, well, our team but, around here. But, so. but you go you go, you go, go to the Greenwood matches and see the enthusiasm that the crowd has for those matches. And you say, okay, this is good. This is good. Then you go to Lander oh, you got and, no see, coming out. and see what's <laughs> going on over there. And you can see why the people at Greenwood are doing, <laughs> you know, that, that, they're just getting crazy over there, kind of like the Cameron Crazies over there at Lander for their <laughs> wrestling. Not, we're not talking about, and we're talking wrestling now. And this is both teams, so are they camp out for the yeah. for the loonies camp out. They crazy too. Yeah. All right. The final thing I've got here, we got a big 
couple of football games that are coming up. Um, uh, let's start first and foremost. The Lorman Paladins are going to be heading on up uh, to take on Montana, and uh, that'll be at uh, Montana taking on the Grizzlies. It's going to be 36 the high when they uh, go ahead and um, uh, will be the high that day tomorrow. Uh, as a matter of fact, by the time game time rolls around 7 o'clock their time, probably going to be down around 30 maybe 32 with some uh, snow sure and, and yeah they got snow flurries that are projected to be happening uh in all of this these two teams it's eerie how we, we talked about the clemson carolina basketball game how eerie similar they were this is even more so because you know Furman was number two in the nation and, until they lost to wofford um, and then they ended up dropping back to number six or, or seven in that regard. Whereas now Montana is the number two team. So you have number seven at number two uh, in this one. Uh, and it's on a Friday night. So the crowd, are you going to have the same crowd uh, that you would have on a Saturday? Maybe, maybe not. You don't know. It, it, the thing is, if you fight the cold as well as the crowd, that's definitely going to favor the Grizzlies in that one. So you've got a little bit of a home advantage by going up there first and foremost to start with. But then you look defensively at, at – at, <laughs> this is where I get mixed feelings as to just how good these teams are. We talked about Tyler Huff, uh, who is uh, a member of the uh, Army National Guard, uh, is going to be going into there and what he's been able to do. And their coach, uh, Hawk, has nothing but a lot of respect. He's known Tyler – from my understanding, for years, um, actually grew up, so he knew he, he knows the family that is there. Huff plays behind a veteran, senior-laden offensive line to go along with that. Uh, you got right guard Jacob Janahan, a SoCon O-lineman o- of the year. You've got the left tackle Pearson Tommy, who was the all-conference first-team player. Uh, and then their center, uh, uh, Wyatt Hughes, was named to the second team. Uh, you know, that's that's five 50-year seniors that are right there that have got honors to go along with all that. And behind them, they've got uh, the number 67 uh, offense, uh, er, total offense with 352.2 yards per game that they're managing, that they're going, you know, that they, they produce every single time. So with that and a good running game, they got their running uh, back back as well when they got Huff back, and, and they've just been dominant since those two have come back. Who establishes the run on this is going to be even more fun because Montana's defense is number nine in the nation in the FCS, holding teams to 97 yards per game, whereas Furman's is number three, averaging 92. You look at the uh, Palinsons uh, excelling and running the ball. They rank 36 with 162 rushing yards a game. Well, while throwing for 198, which isn't bad. Leading uh, rusher is uh, Dominic Roberto, and then uh, who I mentioned returned last week. But the Huff factor, I think, is what's going to be the difference in this game for there. Montana, their ground game is ranked 16th in the nation right now, averaging 194 yards a game. Okay, um, they've ran for over 200 yards in five games so far, seven times uh, in 12 games total. Uh, you know, a good quarterback that is extremely accurate. I mean, we're talking this guy could have played in a power five if he wanted to. I'm gonna, really quick, I'm going to tell you how close these two teams are. Tyler Huff has 1,675 yards. This kid has 1,493, so less than 100 yards separate these two. Running the ball, Roberto, 755. Eli Gallman, 899. Boom, across the board, other than receiver. Josh Harris has not had a good – Coming back party at receiver. He's got two touchdowns. But their touchdown total is even crazy. Clifton McDowell, the quarterback, 11 touchdowns, two picks. Huff, nine and five. Five's the critical thing. But I want you to think about something, Tom Carroll. We wouldn't be talking about Missoula, Montana, 
We'd be talking about Greenville, South Carolina, had they if they took care of Walford. Take care of Walford, yeah. Take care of Walford. That game's probably here. Yeah. That that is a lot for great story. To to tell that team on that bus ride, Remember, you know what I said? <laughs> they left out yesterday. They flew out, yeah. Dan Scott put pictures up of it. Now he wasn't there, but he put them up of them leaving because they went on from Bud Walton to to on up to Missoula. But this could be a really good game. But like I said, these guys are used to the snow. And I think that could overall be a factor for the Paladins in this game. We're not used to snow. Yeah, there's so. a couple other factors here. One being the uh, uh, Eli Gilman. He ended up winning um, the uh, uh, Freshman Receiver Award, uh, the Jerry Rice Freshman Receiver Award, uh, earlier yesterday to go along with that. But it's going to come down to fumbles because Furman uh, in takeaways right now is number two in the nation. Mm-hmm. When you look at that, uh, you look at um, who isn't turning the ball over. <laughs> That's the Grizzlies. They're number six in the nation, and they play as far it. as not. And they're playing. Yeah, and yeah, so uh, you know this this might be a fun one as far as as turnovers. You don't want to miss this one. I'm telling you, man. You don't want to miss it at all. So, so yeah, it's it's yeah. I I, I don't know. How I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. It's a I fun game, it, man. I mean, it's going to be a good game. Uh, you know, Every point's going to matter. I hope Every that Furman can get out there and uh, you're not going to be accustomed to the cold. I mean, and the guys playing out there, they're not really going to be accustomed to the cold either. Uh, what they may have the advantage over is gear. What kind of gloves do I wear? You know, uh, do I wear uh, under my uniform? Do I just go like I normally do with just a cotton T-shirt, or do I put on the Under Armour shirt and the Under Armour hoodie that I can stick up in my helmet? And you know, do I put on too much? Too what size? What are there going to be heaters on the visitor side? Might be what, another thing. What yeah. what cleats do I wear? What shoes do I put on? Probably you not. Know? By the way, <laughs> no heaters for Furman. You say the last time they played was two thousand one. Yeah, and the Grizzlies won that one. Thirteen six at yeah. Furman. Yeah. I'm telling you, that whole bill right there, that one, they we have don't the advantage, realize. I think 11 to 1, I think. Is. You just don't understand that one loss to Furman. I mean, Walford, what that did until <laughs> you see that right there. I mean, so. But it's so which you got to come on, win that game. You win that when you move on. And I I think you play, a, what, an, either an Alcorn or a, uh, who's playing, New Hampshire maybe? So you may still have to stay up. Well, the winner either gets you're going to you're going to the Dakotas, one of the other. Oh yeah, because of San Diego and <laughs> so I mean, you got uh, North Carolina or no, excuse me, North Dakota, North Dakota State or, or North South Dakota State. So and both of those are in domes, though, aren't they? I know South Dakota is not. Is not. I know yeah. North Dakota yeah. is. Yeah, the Bison. They say that claim, they claim that to be the loudest. It's loud. surface in the world. You it's went by that one. Can you I've been there. Yeah. The jackrabbits and the bison. So that game will be on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Go along with it. Give so you some else to watch. Games going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's going on the same time that the Army-Navy game is yeah. going on. So the 110th Army-Navy game being played this Saturday. What, 3.30, I think it is? Is that when it's going? CBS. Yep. CBS? CBS. First game at Foxborough this year. <laughs> Where there'll be a competition. Where they have actually real teams playing. Yeah, where you have actual competition. But uh, both these teams right now, five and six, um, you, you know, this, this – at Gillette Stadium of all things. So it's not going to be in, in, in downtown Philly like it was last year. It's going to be, uh, you know, kind of spreading it out a little in that regard, letting everybody take part in probably the uh, most patriotic football game that there is. Stolen rivalry that matters. That's what Willie said. <laughs> Willie, what was your joke yesterday for the joke of the day? 
You have you've had basically all the old long you've been giving your army people. Hold on, hold on. Go army, but, but this, but and I said it earlier off air that uh, this is these two teams. They've had NILs before anybody even thought about NIL, because these guys when they graduate, they've got a job. There's no question there. There's no. No, nah, we're not going to hire you. No, you, you know, you don't have to fill out a resume. Uh, when you graduate, you're going to be handed your orders. Yeah. And you're going to start picking up paychecks. And uh, But you're so, going to see two offenses with this that uh, – Well, both offenses, I think, are kind of in transition period. They are. And so it's going to be which one has maybe adapted or adapted – had athletes that could adapt to a different type of offense. Because they're not running like they used to. No, no, they're not. It's more not spread three. now. Yeah, it's more <laughs> spread. And uh, yeah. Thing is, those quarterbacks that they recruited three years ago that are going to be seniors now, can they adapt from that turn around, hand the ball off, to turn around and sling it down the field? Well, Navy has adapted to it a lot better than Army, Army has. Yeah. And, and here's the telling factor of where I think this game is going. When you look at Army, they're 110th in the nation in turnover margin, 115th in turnovers lost. Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Navy is third in turnover margin, seven in takeaways, and 12th in turnovers lost. So, uh, big difference uh, when it comes to, to that aspect and the chances you get, you know, if you get it in the red zone a few more times like that. All right, Cox, give us the over and under. What, what was that again? Sorry? 20. Over and under, 27, uh, 27 and a half. half. Point spread that, is three. That, that's, not, that's not a lot of points. That's offense there, be right. Over and under, 27 and a half, that's offense. <laughs> <laughs> He's hey, laughing as he says hey, that. I may watch this game. It's going to be a defensive battle. You, you'll love that, it, I'm telling that's, you. That's more than the Clemson-Carolina game was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Clemson-Carolina won by 23. <laughs> and here we got Army-Navy going at 27 and a half. Good Lord have mercy. <laughs> Willie, your thoughts on this game? Uh, I know you've got a big investment as far as the Navy goes, and thank you for your service and everything that you've done there. But all Navy all the time. Really? He's here for the joke. <laughs> all Navy, all day long. You know, we we, um, we sleep in racks. They sleep in foxholes, cuddling with each other. So. There you go. <laughs> I've been in those racks. Those are not very big. <laughs> would you Would you say you could fit in one right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd would you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, because not on a sub now. I'll be like, <laughs> well, that's the only place I've been on the sub. And I, submarine's a boat. I was like nine years old, so. You know, you know who has more boats than the Navy? The Army. Army. The Army has more boats. Yep. Navies have more ships. Navy has ships. Ships float. <laughs> boats sink. <laughs> that's why submarines are called boats. Yeah. I Do y'all know where the first helmet was worn in what game? Army, Navy. Oh, really? Navy. Navy these, guys. these uniforms are lit, too. He showed me the uniforms yesterday. Navy's yeah. got a lit uniform. It's on fire. It's, every year, though, it's been. Yeah, they come up with something. Ones. They come up with something, and it's uh, it's good to see. It's good to see. And this game will be a sellout, and there will be millions of people all over the world watching this game, even though there are two five and six teams. And that, hey, five and six. Winner does what? <laughs> he can go to a bowl Trump. game. Well, this year they both could. He can go mean, to a bowl game. <laughs> Loser could with five wins. So. <laughs> you know. That would be interesting, too. It's only been five so. five times 
that they've played each other with winning records. Really? Yeah. Where one has or both have? Since 1963, only the 96, 2010, 2016, and 2017 games have seen both teams enter with winning seasons. Winning records. You wonder how recruiting goes for for the uh, armed forces academies they, versus they, I don't think the rest they really, of the public. I don't really think they get these guys are going to those academies because that's what they want to do in life, and it's a process. And if you don't believe it, talk to somebody that's been there. Uh, the 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 work that you have to put in. I think the state of South Carolina only gets like two nominations to West Point, and it's probably the same thing with Annapolis because these are actually appointed. You actually have to go and meet with congressmen and senators and people and fill out all kind of paperwork just to get in. And, of course, now, you better have some grades. Actually, my uncle had appointed from Strong Thurman Mm -hmm. back in the early 80s to go to the Air Force. And and not only do you have to have the grades – but, and this sounds crazy, but you have to be an athlete almost. Even if you're not being going to look at football, basketball, anything else, you better have played some athletics in your high school career. And they're not going to take just anybody. And it's, it's, a, it's an honor to get one of those. And, and it's a lot of work that goes into it. And I, uh, Brian had a kid that played on the soccer team with him. One went to the... West Point, and one went to Air Force Academy. Both of them right out here, out of Greenwood. And that and that doesn't happen. Both of them come from the same high school. <laughs> I mean, now there was a year difference in them, but, um, that, you know, that's just unheard of. The all-time series, Navy leads 62-54 to 7. It's about you know, to be 65. So. Keep it rolling. And when, <laughs> it was, <laughs> when it was uh, before Navy went on their 14-game Win streak against Army, which will never be matched again. Sorry, you ground pounders. <laughs> um, it was actually even. It was actually even across the board, all everything. Yeah. I think the cool thing is both have a Heisman. Not a lot of people yeah. think about it. They yeah. both have Heisman, one tro- Heisman yeah. Trophy winner, so that's pretty cool. And national championships. You're right. I, didn't I, think, I forgot about Back the national championships. Back in the 20s, the 30s, and 40s, no one they were number one, number two in the nation. Playing and they were the game they were playing against would usually would decide who the national champion was. That's where I went the first annual holiday ball. <laughs> was Navy and BYU. <laughs> but yeah, so but anyway, Willie, yeah, he he had me had jokes all week about. It. I thought it was pretty. One of them was about. I tell you right. How now, many would dress? I, and who I would? I mean, go ahead. All right, have a great day. Army's coaches are only going to dress fifteen players on Saturday. They're confident the other players can dress themselves. <laughs> See what I'm talking about. Go Navy, beat Army. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Oh, they, they have been man. hilarious. So. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Should be a fun game though. Three o'clock, yeah. uh, and you everybody said it's watch be on. CBS, CBS. In Foxborough, at Gillette Stadium. Looking forward. Well, we're to not it. gonna hold that against it's Navy. It's they four. go in there and win because Army's, Army's four hours nice. away. Navy seven hours away. That's a loser stadium. We got to put a winner. This year, it is a loser stadium. Yeah. It's going to resurrect. Let's, let's, change, be there. let's change the name from Gillette Stadium to Loser Stadium. Yeah, 
I don't know how they got any money because me and Willie, we shaving, Tom Carroll ain't shaving. <laughs> Saying you're the only one supporting Gillette, man. Oh, well. <laughs> he's like, well. And he's not even. He's uh, with the happy group. Yeah. <laughs> Glad that you joined us. Come on out to Howard's on Main uh, this weekend. Enjoy some of the great entertainment that is out here as well. Enjoy the games. We thank uh, Bill Hensley for coming in, the coach Dan Spivey, Chris Cox. I'm Tom Carroll. We are the Lakeland Sports Guys. Have a great weekend.